All right, the ball is back. This is Jed Banger's Ball. I'm your host, Jed Mayhew. Today, we have Tom Neely and Keenan Keller. I was excited to have these guys on the show because they're super weird, fucked up comic book artists. And uh, we basically came together to do a record for their book that they're working on right now called The Humans. They asked me to do a song uh, for the 7-inch that uh, accompanied the first issue. And when I asked them what it was about, they said it was a basically like a 70s, late 60s biker gang made up of fucking monkeys. So that's what the song's about. So maybe at the end of the interview here, we'll play a little bit of that so you can hear what that is. But without further ado, here's Tom Neely and Keenan Keller on Jetbangers Ball. Basically, I mean, I wanted to just start off. We have two people here today, so we, we, normally we'll have like two, one, one guest on, but we have two today. So uh, I wanted to find out kind of like what your guys' relationship was to each other and how you started working together. So basically, I just wanted to know like how you guys met and how long you've known each other and that whole story. <laughs> uh, well, we met at like one of the most uh, worst little zine fest we've ever been at before. I, I don't want to mention it by name because the people that put it together had their hearts in the right place, but it was kind of a it was a a worthless afternoon of, of trying to sell zines in in the middle of nowhere. There's a um, lot of not mentioning things by name on this show, by the <laughs> way, just, just so you know. Yeah. But, uh, it, it was the most worst, too. Yeah. Like you said, <laughs> as I said, most worst. But, um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we, but we met there, and uh, I had seen his zines before at other comic shows and stuff and uh then i met him and i was like wait you're not as weird as i thought you would be <laughs> judging by your comics and uh but um and then we found out we lived like right down the street from each other right. basically like we lived in the same neighborhood like five minutes away so yeah so we started hanging out fostered the talking relationship about comics and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah and i wonder like w- just for people out there like what a zine is like like a homemade magazine, basically. Yeah. DIY magazine. Yeah. Homemade, booklet, comic, art zine, whatever. Could be about want. music. Yeah, it could be your diary, for Christ's sakes. Could you know? be anything. And 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 I remember, you know, in the nineties that was like a really big thing. Yeah. And what like what is what is like a zine fest in two thousand fifteen like or there's a lot of them. Yeah. A lot more of it now, I think, than well, I mean it was big in the nineties and then I kinda think it faded for a while. But then uh there's Zine Fest popping up all over. There's LA Zine Fest that's been happening for four years in a row now, I think, and SF Zine Fest, Chicago Zine Fest. Yeah, there's tons. Portland Zine Fest. They're all over the place it's, now. I mean, it's still similar. It's still the same sort of thing. It's homemade art by an individual artist made in a small edition. That's usually what like a zine is. Yeah. Um, but now you just have all types of shit. Oh, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot more comics and mini comics being yeah. made that way now too. Well, it's interesting. It's almost like to me, it seems like it kind of correlates with like the the sort of like vinyl revolution, as far as like you know, in the late '90s, like when the internet kind of started getting big for everybody, all these things like vinyl records and and zines and all this stuff kind of went away. And then 
it seemed like, oh, well, all this stuff's not going to be around anymore because everyone's so into digital. But then it all became like collector's niche kind of like specialized thing. That yeah, and now it's bigger than ever. Yeah. And, it's now, and now it's like people are making handmade actual, like, like Rolling Stone and these things are, are going by the wayside, but like things like comic yeah. books and things, homemade DIY stuff and, and small limited edition vinyl records by bands are like bigger than ever. And the internet or whatever is almost like just a way to communicate that this stuff's out there. Yeah, yeah. And you guys find that like at like a a zine fest or whatever that that's how it's kind of working these days or? Basically, yeah. I mean, I feel like the internet's a tool that all these artists use in different ways. But the important thing is the actual work and like the books you create, the comics you make. So I think it's basically the same. I mean it's it's the basically the same it's as it's always been you're you're making the art from an individual angle and yeah, and I think there's still there. people that still want like a tangible object you know there's still an audience for that even though like we're moving towards a world of non-tangible everything's digital there's still people that it seems want things like zines and vinyl which is nice but I honestly wonder how long that'll last if that's more of like a specialized thing that's happening now like you know like the the tape the cassette tape explosion in in like indie bands now is like there's no practical reason for that to be happening <laughs> no. at all it's, it's cute not, it's it's not easier yeah, to make it's, it's it's not cheaper it's just it's just a unique thing that everybody that's become a trend but it's completely stupid like there's no reason <laughs> for it to happen right but you know it's nice that people still want those things you know there are there is an audience for that but you know how long will that last I don't know but Tom you've been you've been doing this for a while now like how did you get your start like as far as were you always doing comics as a kid or big into comics or yeah i mean as long as i can remember from being really young uh i was always drawing comics and either wanted to do comics or animation until like around high school i think uh yeah i grew up in a small town in texas so like i only really had access to like you know marvel and dc comics and disney comics and stuff so by the time i got to high school i got more into art and fine art and stuff so I went to art school and got sidetracked away from comics a bit but I was always still drawing them in my sketchbooks and everything and and uh at some point uh during while I was in art school studying painting and getting completely fed up and disillusioned with <laughs> the idea of the fine arts world I uh kind of happened to stumble upon like I was in San Francisco and I uh found a lot of like self-published scenes and and alternative comics that I'd never seen before growing up, and that kind of opened me up to like, oh, wait, there's, I don't, you know, doing comics doesn't just mean Spider-Man. There's a whole bunch of other stuff you can do. So at, at that point, I started uh, getting into, like, Robert, oh, the old stuff like Robert Crumb and S. Clay Wilson, and then newer guys like Dan Klaus and and uh, Chris Ware at the time were, like, big. But So I started making my own uh, self-published comic at the same time I was doing my, finishing up my MFA in painting, and published my first book, self-published my first uh, zine or mini-comic uh, when I graduated and started, and then immediately just started making comics from then. That was around 2000. I've been self-publishing since then. So, I mean, I, f- I first heard of you, I think, in the same way that a lot of people did, which was the Henry and Glenn yeah. Forever, which, I mean, it, do you want to talk about that for a minute and sure. just let people know what that is? <laughs> yeah, well, that was, uh, that was an idea that kind of uh, came through my... Uh, Excuse me, art uh, art fraternity. We have allergies here in LA at yeah. this time of year. <laughs> yeah. I have them as well. So, 
But uh, my art fraternity, the Igloo Tornado, which is me and three of my buddies, uh, Jen Stevens, Scott Nobles, and LaVon Jahanian, uh, we just like to get together and talk about art, what we're working on. Um, and we would occasionally put together like art shows together and everything. But uh, one night when we were just like drinking beers and talking about art, uh, Jen Stevens just said, like, there should be a book of like art that's like Tom of Finland, but it's with Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig. <laughs> and I just said, well, we're going to do that. Let's do it right now. And so we just like kind of started scribbling that stuff on bar napkins to like make each other laugh. And we made a zine of it. Uh, we were just like made like 100 Xerox copies that we took to uh, a couple of Comic-Cons um, and sold out of them immediately, and everybody seemed to like it. And and uh, and then it just kind of blew up from there. To yeah. Now, this just last year, I just released a 240-page uh, uh, graphic novel that has over 60 different artists contributing called Henry England Forever and Ever, which is the sequel to the original Henry England Forever. And, uh, yeah, so it just keeps going. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I'm sure you've been asked this a ton of times or whatever, but, uh, you know, one thing that's really cool about the book is that you had uh, Rob Halford do the foreword. Yes. Yeah. Which is just kind of... Mind-blowing. Per- well, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> mind-blowing. It's also kind of perfect in, in a yeah. number of ways. Oh, Yeah. He, it's perfect because he he took the spirit of the book and he like turned it against me. Yeah, <laughs> he gets it. Yeah, you know, he thinks like, he finds it to be funny. And, he did and to me what I was it. doing to Henry and Glenn. Right, <laughs> and so that that's kind of what I wanted to know is like, have you heard from them about it and what's their feeling or from them personally? No, uh, indirectly yes. When the the original book Henry and Glenn Forever came out in two thousand nine or ten. Um, we, uh, my friend Jay Bennett was interviewing Danzig for Decibel Magazine just when uh, Death Red Sabbath came out, his last album. And uh, so I gave him a, a signed gift-wrapped copy to give to Danzig. <laughs> and so he, I guess he waited till the end of the interview to give it to him. So anyway, he was, he was driving back home from Brentwood because Danzig lives in Lucille Ball's house, which is weird. Sure. Um, but it's fitting. And and Jay was actually really upset. He's like, I was like, what happened? What happened? He's like, he's like, I'm really bummed out, man. It was it was a really great reaction. You're gonna love it, but I'm, it made me really sad at the same time. And so then Jay got home and he sent me a transcript of Danzig's reaction to finding out about the book, and I made a comic strip of that, which is actually the last page of the new book, Henry England Forever and Ever. So you can actually read his direct quotes of him finding out about the book for the first time. Wow, so we got We have to track that down then to find out. Yeah, what, yeah. What is the reaction? reaction's perfect? Yeah, it's too. in the book. It's exactly you know, what he just well, he just throws a little fit. He's like, "What's wrong with this internet generation?" Like, <laughs> he's well, he's notoriously known for his sense of humor yeah. and <laughs> and you know good nature <laughs> way of hand, taking a, any ribbings towards him. You know. On the other hand, I think uh, Henry Rollins wrote something in his LA Weekly column recently where he like said like he he's i will never read this book but i love that it exists so. I, yeah i remember reading that and which is exactly what he would say too and yeah and i mean the thing about it is it's obvious like of course we're all huge danzig fans yeah, huge misfits them. fans everybody huge involved Black Flag in the book fans. loves them you yeah. know they all comes from a place of like love you know yeah. but you also have to be honest with who they are as people and icons as well you know and like they're they're funny you right know, as well, they're funny to make fun of and to love. You know, Henry Rollins' poetry is I mean, it's, hilarious. You know, anybody in the you know 
public figure is. I mean, we, we really don't do much more than what Mad Magazine does. So other <laughs> exactly. It's just exactly. we just specifically totally. targeted them and put them in a ridiculous scenario. Do you think that you would ever like do something like that with another musician or artist, or do you think that that's like? I don't think it works. It I mean, doesn't people, work, right? People throw that at me all the time. They're like, "Oh, what if like Ian McKay and and uh, Jello Biafra yeah, opened up a, like, a petting zoo?" It's like that's already too complicated. Right? Like, you say Henry and Glenn forever, and everybody gets it. Right. I mean, I think it's perfect to just have it be the one thing. I mean, you know, the, like yeah. like you said, it it is perfect just the way it is. And and so Keenan, I wanted to kind of ask you the, sort of similar question and idea about yourself. And and I know you because uh, I used to play in a band with your wife. Yes. And uh, the intelligence and and it's our friend Lars's band, and we were members of it. And that that I guess that's how I must have met you. Yeah, I the think first we met time. you at Larry's house at a party. One yeah. time, right when you first started playing with Leslie and the Intelligence, right, Larry from In the Red Records, yeah. who we put out the records with, and and yeah, I met you there, and I think when I Leslie and I were driving together to San Francisco to play a show and listening to Metallica, <laughs> and uh, this is my my voice is like this because I was doing Inter Sandman, or no, I was doing uh, Master of Puppets karaoke last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> Had an allergies together, uh, but uh, we were listening to uh, all this early Metallica stuff, and she had a copy of um, all the Drippy Bone stuff, oh, like Galactic Breakdown. Galactic Breakdown. So I read all your comics on the way up because they were all in the car. Yeah, and she's like, I keep them in there, you know, in case someone wants to see my husband's work or yeah. whatever, you know. And I didn't know you at the time, but then I. Also was aware of uh, your stuff because you'd done, done uh, some artwork for the, that band, The Spits. Yes. And I just wanted to know, like, did you start out doing artwork for bands, or were you doing comics originally, too? And No, I, I originally I went to film school thinking I'd be like a filmmaker. I thought I'd write scripts and make movies. Um, then quickly, when I moved to L.A., realized I was never going to do that. I hated the industry. It was like the, the worst existence I could have imagined for myself, so... I started looking towards other things I loved, and I love art, and then I really realized my first love had always been comics as a kid, um, but I kind of put them on the back burner because I can't draw. <laughs> right. I mean, your style's pretty raw compared, compared <laughs> yeah. to Tom's. Oh, there's a giant difference in uh, a taste and skill level and lots of things, but uh, yes, mine is, well, it's also because I didn't draw my first comic until like 2009. That Galactic Breakdown number one is the first comic I ever drew. Right. Um, but before that, I'd started making zines and self-publishing and just doing, like, drawings and putting them together in books. Um, that led to getting becoming a part of Driven Bone Books, and then that's what led to me started focusing on comics again. And that's Galactic Breakdown was the first comic I ever drew. So Roy's is the first character I ever came <coughs> up with. Which, uh, so I tried, uh, before I met him at the, the worst, the most worst <laughs> comic yes. show ever, uh, I had found Galactic Breakdown number one at, uh, I think, Secret Headquarters, and I remember, like, me and Johnny Ryan both looking at it together and being like, this is the dumbest, most amazing <laughs> thing we've ever seen before. And I think Johnny Ryan, like, went home immediately and drew tribute art and said yeah. to you. Yeah, he did, a he did a drawing of the first cover and put it on this blog covered. Yeah. Um, that was kind of well-known in comics world, you know, because you just take an original cover and you'd redraw it in your own style. 
And he did that with that, and I still think more people have seen his version of the cover than mine, you know. Or the and what is, what's itself. that called when when you it's it's a specific oh, thing. Well, an homage. I don't well, know. yeah, I didn't. I, I was it, I was reading the humans book, and at the oh, end a of pin it, up? yeah, I guess so. At the end of the of the book, there's a bunch of different. Oh yeah, pinups. Yeah, that's what they call yeah, them. Yeah, well, there's like alternative covers sometimes, but for us, we have, you know those are pinups. The artists just do a one off drawing for us. Yeah, I've noticed it in comics for years yeah. that it's like a it's a it's a accepted thing and, and pretty common but is the idea then that you are the idea when you were a kid you would cut it out of the magazine and pin it to your wall like a poster right so. right but it's also like uh artists it's hard to collaborate as cartoonists right. as well and like musicians can go jam but cartoonists is like oh can i draw your character for yeah, you yeah, and yeah. then it's like yeah fuck yeah i'll do yours you know yeah so it's a, it's one level of like collaboration that you know, because lots, lots of cartoonists just wish they were rock stars, but they can't be, you know. They can't stand <laughs> up and talk in front of people, you know, so. And it's funny, you know, we're all fans of, like, each other's works, too, yeah. you know. So, like, we, like the artists that we had reached out to to do uh, pinups for the humans are, like, people we love, like Benjamin Mara and Katie Skelly and, and our colors, Christina Kiontas and Skinner. And, like, it's just awesome to get, like, artists you admire to, like, do your interpretations yeah, of your own thing. Like. Well, it's super cool to read the, the book and then at the end just see these like weird variations on on the characters that you were just spent a bunch of time with. Yeah. You know, and then all yeah. of a sudden there's like a like especially if it's like kind of this like serious, like kind of badass action adventure sort of situation. And then to have like a goofy version of that. Yeah. Like yeah. at the end, you know. Just which expands I expands the universe a bit. Totally. Like I remember Marvel had some stuff like that too. Like they would have those like what ifs yeah, or yeah. whatever. And it would be like and what if what too. yeah, what if this happened? And I remember there I used to have a comic where it was like this it was all the characters of Spider Man and whoever, you know, but but they were all like kids, you know? Oh. And just like I remember thinking like that sort of stuff just kind of blew my mind when I was alternate universe stuff where they can take these characters you think you know and then they do something because I was never that huge into like the straight up comics but when I would see stuff like that where it would just be like a baby Spider-Man and the problems that he was having with like the baby Hulk or Spider-Ham yeah Spider-Ham yeah Yeah, Spider-Ham well it's like a lot of underground cartoonists and comics now too are taking that and running with it you know like lots of people like will do their what's that Calgary Wolverine comic that came out a couple years ago where he's like killing Mounties but um, he's Canadian already, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, but people take these characters and do their own underground stuff with it. I did I did it with Popeye. Yeah, he's done it with Popeye. Um, uh, I've done it. I, I put Dribble One Books put out a Marvel Comics Presents issue. Right. That we could have been sued for and, like, <laughs> cease and desist, you know. But we each took, like, D-grade characters from the Marvel Universe and just riffed on them. But what were, the, what, were the, what were the books that you guys were reading when you were kids? Like, what were the ones that you were really into? I was, like, a Marvel boy. Like, DC looked good but i never really read them so i was into x-men wolverine punisher and then i started getting into a little bit weirder stuff like trencher and like some of the early image stuff i like to look at but it wasn't until i found out about really about underground comics when i was much older like 60s and 70s underground that yeah that's that's when i started seeing comics that i was like blown away by yeah similar for me i mean i started with like disney and archie much younger but then Pretty much graduated Marvel in DC, but my, mostly into Marvel. And then once I got to college, I got way into just everything underground, anything I could find. Like I remember, like in the '90s, it was a great time for quarter bin shopping to find like all the like '80s glut, like weird independent stuff that you'd never heard of before. Yeah. 
in like quarter bins at every comic shop and so like that's what I'd go and find anything that I'd never heard of so I'd discover like that's where I found like Tim Vigil work and like mm-hmm. early S. Clay Wilson stuff and like that's where I discovered Crumb and Renee French and all those guys so yeah, can you talk a little bit about S. Clay Wilson? Because I know in the in the in the Humans book, there's like you guys did like kind of a tribute mm-hmm. page to yeah. him, which is like I didn't I know the name and I know some of his work. I didn't understand what the tribute was, but it was like it's kind of this biker scene outside of a bar. Yeah, basically, it took like he did a series of a lot of comics and also like just like paintings and drawings of just biker scenes of, that were. A lot of his friends and biker gangs that he hung out with. And he did lots of like one panel explosions. Yeah, like, like crowd just giant scenes crowd scenes. And so I took one of those on. and it basically just took the composition of his and like fit our characters into it. So it was like a loose tribute of like, but it was important to me and to us, I think, because he's an influence on both of us uh, artistically. And, and he was an actual cartoonist who, you know, lived among the bikers and kind of like was in, invested in that culture. So, uh, and he was like invested in his own like persona too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, he was yeah. like just uh, his He's comics were un himself. un they would they're unforgiving. You know, like they're just nasty, awesome. He, whatever he could think of, he'd draw. He had no internal sensor, no filters, yeah, whatsoever. And so he made some of the best comics. Right. I remember, and and I guess we should just we should talk about the humans because we're sort of getting there slowly and surely we keep bringing it up and can we explain what that is so that people get the context of of what the humans is and i mean that's kind of how we got here anyways was when you guys came up with the idea for the the humans uh you uh you guys are now opening a bag for some reason (laughs) and that's oh well you're pulling out the book that no one can see. No, but um, he can read copy off. <laughs> I, I see. Um, so, the, the kind of time to rehearse your pitch, Keenan. Oh yeah. <laughs> this isn't a commercial for the humans, but uh, we sort of got to this place because you guys had come to me and and my band to do a song because in the original issue of the zero, uh, volume zero of it or whatever um, issue zero, uh, you guys wanted to have a seven inch. That came along with it as like yeah a soundtrack a soundtrack to the, to the comic, so that that's kind of how we got together on this in the in, in the beginning and 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 now we're you guys are how many issues deep on it? Uh, well, this uh, the first collection just came out in March, uh, the Humans Volume One, Humans for Life, and it collects issues zero through four, so that's the first five issues, and then uh, issue five starts up next month in June. Or I'm not sure when this airs, but. <laughs> Um, and uh, we've got six more issues to go. We'll go through issue ten uh, with the second volume. And what is the humans then? <clears throat> it's a comic about a biker gang of ape men in 1970s Bakersfield, California. It's a, uh, as it says on the back of the book, a high octane, <laughs> no holds barred ape or biker gang chopper ride into 1970s exploitation genre bliss. So yeah, when I mean when you guys came to me with like your guys were like sort of like we're doing Planet of the Apes meets like you know Easy Rider Easy Rider right? or whatever yeah. that's the easy easy way to say it or like Wild Angels or something yeah, yeah, even, yeah, even yeah. more right because Easy Rider's not it's True, not yeah, a it's gang Wild Angels, yeah. yeah no no <laughs> but uh, I was like yeah fuck yeah that's like totally. I can write lyrics to that yeah. for sure. You know, like that's like so yeah, you up don't my need to know alley. Very much more than that. <laughs> that's all You'd I already needed written to know. Like enough songs. I mean, you yeah. did one about a 
famous great horror biker movie. Well, you that know? you guys actually have a tribute page in yeah. there. Yeah, Tom, uh, Tom drew that one. Psychomania yeah. for Psychomania, which yeah. that that film also has another name I can't remember. But uh, the I, think I it's had a, like the, the Living Dead or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Living Dead. Yeah, it, it's like a British film. Yeah. Um, but I had written a song called Psychomania about that film uh, because, it, and if anyone hasn't seen it, it's these bikers. Go watch it. They they have to kill themselves so that they can. <laughs> they become they come undead. and there's frogs and, and there's like mystical frogs. Yeah. It's always foggy. It's, it's insane. You know, and all the the suicides are the most ridiculous suicides <laughs> ever. Yeah, I think it's on Netflix too. Like, go watch it. It's a fucking great movie. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a guy that drives a motorcycle out of a grave. Yeah, you spoiled <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. Great. You spoiled it. No, I was gonna. Spoil I don't want to spoil it, but I'm not gonna spoil it. But yeah, uh, there's a frog amulet. There's a lot of frogs. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I saw that in when I saw that in the book, I was like, holy shit! Like these guys really fucking get. Because I don't know yeah. how many people actually get that. Because like early on when we had that, there's a variant cover that we released for uh, for the UK. A, yeah, there was a British comic company that wanted us to do a variant cover. Which if you don't know, variant cover is just the same as issue number one, but with a different cover. So it's more limited edition. Um, so I was like, well, it's a British company. I'll do my favorite British biker movie tribute. So I did the Psychomania thing. And then so many of our fans at our initial Comic Cons were like, "Does that mean that like Mojo's coming back to life? Like <laughs> he's going to come back?" Because because uh, Mojo is like a character that dies at the in beginning. the first issue, right? Yeah. So they were really reading, but they didn't yeah. like get it. So a lot. Were like, what's with the frogs? People don't so. get it, but that's fine. That's fun. Sure, they get to say like, "Go watch this movie." Yeah. So because that's what. I don't know. That's it, part it, of what we like about this. We is, like, get it. That's, we're steeped in that exploitation cinema, and we want, we're exploring that fun world, and we hope that that'll you know bring well, that to other people. I mean, I, yeah, I, I totally get it, and I think I, I feel the same way in the sense of like I I have a really hard time writing songs about like love and <laughs> girls and stuff. Really? But, yeah, but but if I see a movie where there's dudes that are killing themselves so they come back to I life, write a song and there's going to be a this. frog involved. <laughs> which I love frogs already, so that it just makes it perfect. So I, I totally understand, and then and then that just falls more in line with what you guys are into. Yeah, and it's about like a tone that we're trying to present too. Right. So like that still fits in our world, even though it has nothing to do with it. But it's a, the tone is what we're going for. Yep. And you mentioned so in the '90s, like when did so you guys are working with Image? Yeah, on this. Yeah, we which got is cool. By Image. We self-published to issue zero, and then uh, got picked up by Image to do the series. I mean, Image came out like in the nineties, right? Like, yeah. I remember I, I lived in a really small town in eastern Washington, and ninety two was it? Yeah, I don't know. I remember I, I lived by this guy. His name was Chance Wolf. And he was. Uh, <laughs> That's his real name. Chance Sounds Wolf. like a Rob Liffield character. Yeah, I know, um, right? <laughs> well, the Wolf family, like we were in this really small town. And one of the guys was in like a rock band. The other guy was like a he was a artist, like an amazing artist. But he did like uh, lots of those '80s like kind of like chick, like it's like a woman, like, like Nagel, Nagel yeah. style art. Yeah. He did like his own version of Nagel. And then the other guy uh, who uh, he was he had MS and he was in a wheelchair, but he did comics. Uh, Inking, I think. Wow. Or coloring. What do you call it? Inking? In- inking's when you, you, you apply the ink over the pencils. I think that's what he did for Image. And they had a comic called Nighthawk. Oh, yeah. Which was one of the early ones. And I remember going to the 7-Eleven in my small town, and they had a comic rack, you know, back then. 
and buying that comic, but also knowing that this guy lived in my town and did it, and did it which was super weird <laughs> to me at the time. But did you guys like? Were you guys like into Image Comics when? Oh when yeah, yeah. Oh well, I, yeah. I mean. I didn't buy a lot of them when I was a kid. I was into, like, the covers. And I really liked Liefeld on New Mutants. Like, when I was a kid, I really loved that. He did the end of that series for Marvel. And then he was like, fuck this, I'm going to jump ship. And I also liked Todd uh, uh, McFarlane on Spider-Man a lot, too, even though I didn't really like Spider-Man. But his drawings of, like, hair and web were just so much more interesting. And the, everything was so more, much more dynamic. So yeah. when they were doing other comics, I'd always be interested in them. But I never... That's also, you know six months eight to a year in with image like they couldn't get comics out fast enough you know like the titles like they had some problems with distri- like getting shit out on time so for me it was it was like it was around the time that i was like kind of losing interest in comics as a career and getting more into like going into art school and stuff but i was still reading them and i was really interested in like watching these guys shift from being like if you don't know the history it was basically six or seven of the top artists at marvel uh, who are being like paid tons more money than anybody had ever been paid for comics ever before? They were like the first like rock star cartoonists of the early '90s, working on Spider-Man and everything, and X-Men, and then they all jumped ship and formed their own company because they wanted to own the rights to all the stuff that they were drawing and creating. And uh, so I was like really fascinated by watching that transition and like liked the idea of that, but I didn't really follow many of the comics that much. But I was I was very interested in that thing. Savage Dragon was like the one that yeah. I always read, Eric Larson's Savage Dragon. I've got every issue of that for some reason, but everybody else I was kind of like hit or miss with what they were doing. That's a cool name. But um, it's good. Yeah. It's I didn't you know when I and I was a you know still a kid when that happened with image. So I didn't really understand like that these were artists leaving. You know, I didn't exactly. understand That's and now that we're working with them and we understand what they did, it's it's, it's pretty amazing and awe-inspiring because it's like Image is an artist-friendly company. Yeah, it's like we you can definitely tell that it's like it's this company was created for and by artists and for them to like own their stuff and like get the credit they deserve for what they do and it's it's really great. So how did it, how did the deal with them come about? Did they approach you guys or did you Sort of a a friend of mine uh, who works at the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund uh, was aware of what we were doing, and we were planning a Kickstarter to self-publish the series at the time. And uh, I guess my friend had said he had mentioned it to uh, Eric, the publisher at Image, and that he was interested, and we should send it to him. And so we did, and then it was just kind of like, he was like, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, it was the easiest meeting ever I'll ever have in my life, too. Totally. (laughs) And, and, and... So then now what do you what do you guys do with it to like promote it? So the first the first five issues, zero through four are out, then image compiles them into a book. Is that like a common thing to do as well? Yeah, the the comic industry has really become more about mostly about graphic novels and volumes more than single issues. So most uh comics now, most regular series are collected like every six to twelve issues. They'll put out a graphic novel collecting the the larger story because that then goes into the book market beyond comic shops and, and some people are much larger reading audience. So some people aren't interested in buying like a $3 comic once a month for like six months. They might, they just want to wait and, and get just the whole get story, the, get those yeah. six in one. So, um, so it's kind yeah, of like, it's, it's like image if, does it all the time. It's, it's like if common. you released an album, a single at a time and then you release the album, you know, some people would wait for the album. Some people would buy the Every singles. Single. Sure. I think Jay Riotard did that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, it's not as much as common in, in music, but it but it is a cool thing, and I've seen I've seen people do it before, or they'll just compile a bunch of singles into an yeah, album later down the road. Like, yeah. The difference between now and like when we were growing up buying comics, though, is like back then, like a graphic novel was like kind of a rare thing, like like a special event book, like Secret Wars would get collected, but like yeah. not everything. Now I remember everything gets collected right as, as a book eventually. So. I just remember graphic novels being like at the bookstore, yeah. Yeah. like in the mall, mm-hmm. and just being kind of like fascinated by. And they'd be expensive, you know. And they'd like be like cussing, bucks, you know, and yeah, yeah, saving yeah. up for that dark. That's night when they could do a little more collection. adult. Yeah, you would see like a boob yeah. or whatever, <laughs> and it would be like, "Whoa, there's a boob in Spider-Man or whatever," like, and it's totally like printed on like nice paper. You just, it was just kind of. I didn't understand it at all yeah. at the time. It was just like totally weird to me <laughs> but you guys have like a lot of boobs well you know what? you guys have a yeah. lot of penises there's yeah. more penises well yeah we pride ourselves you on guys more tom draws draws a great penis yeah i swear he has a mean penis i'm known for that yeah um <laughs> and i draw mean boobs too but nobody ever talks about no your them. penises are far better than your boobs um <laughs> i like the boobs are great but the the cock is just like amazing on all like <laughs> And in a, in the in the humans world, um, the the actual uh, Homo sapiens are people. Yeah, are slaves. Well, they're more like cattle. Some of they're sometimes like, they're like slaves. Sometimes they're circus animals. Sometimes they're you know uh, experimental animals. Like the same way we treat apes in the real world. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and they're always naked. Yes. Yeah. Same way we Why treat would we clothe the real world. animals? You know, they don't do anything. It doesn't do anything for me. I mean, well, except for we, have... might, we might dress them up like a clown for laughs. Like, you right. dress up a human in, in, in ape clothing. Well, they, in, in the series, they also use them to, like, fight. You yeah. Know, they uh, do, like, human cock fighting or dog fighting. It's like... But... So they raise them. You try to make them stronger. You know, there's, like, a training involved in that as well, probably. You know, but most of the time, they're just dumb, lame, grunt work animals. Yeah. That's yep. horrifying. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, yeah. Well, it's horrifying if you can't think envision a, yourself as Think an of a cow's today. day. It's petrifying. Oh, it's a nightmare, it's yeah. Well, I think that's what's kind of interesting about it is you take what we, you know, normally feel for granted and you flip it upside down and then you're like, oh, it is awful, like, what <laughs> what, what we do to monkeys. It's, yeah. it's funny to me to see, like, how, like, horrific that is to some of our fans, too. Some it's people like, are really, really upset about it. I didn't think about it until I read it and <laughs> I was just like, this is horrifying, like... To me, I've, well, I've been, like, been a er- uh, vegetarian vegan for, like, 20 years now, so it's like, to me, it's just, like, makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you, like experiment with do experimental drug experiments on your uh, human slave but like then everybody's like oh my god that's horrifying and like and i eat meat and i know sense. i'm a murderer i've seen you do that you to know, monkeys like so right <laughs> and so what's what what's next for the humans then you guys are you got you got the next issue coming out is number five or yeah yep. number five in june yep and then it'll be uh issues five through ten is kind of finish off the first major storyline that we're working on so that'll all come out by the end of this year. And do you go to like say you go to Comic Con and what what's the point of like going to a Comic Con or something like that for you guys? Like is it promotion or just I ask myself that every yeah. time. <laughs> well there's multiple I wonder bands. about it in the sense of like what what is South by Southwest for bands? What well, is Sundance for filmmakers? It's yeah. Just, well actually I don't know. It depends on where you're going. Like if you're going to like a smaller convention, like uh like uh the smaller alternative press conventions that we go to, it's more like you know, you're standing there selling your stuff and meeting fans and stuff. But like 
Comic-Con, like San Diego Comic-Con, it is more like South by Southwest. Like 15, 20 years ago, it was a small place where you'd go and sell your stuff. It's now, like bigger. It's like it? the <laughs> biggest thing in the world, and you go there basically to network and make deals and find jobs yeah. and like be seen. and like so You do some signings and stuff, but it's like... It's, it's like a totally too. different beast. It's not, you know, and it's taken over by the Hollywood industry now. So, um, comics are very peripheral to it. It depends what you're doing at them too. You know, yeah. like if you're going to do one of these monstrous ones like Comic Con, you don't want to be like running a table or anything like that because it's going to it's impossible to well, get just one. Cost him. I did it, it costs too much. It's impossible to get one. You know, all that. It's much better to go and like tactical strike like get in do a signing at a booth get out you Let's know then get to hang out with all these cartoonists people you don't get to see yeah. from all over the world <laughs> you know to me most of the time the cons i want to go to them for a social element as much as anything because i don't get to see all these guys very often you yeah. know cartoonists used don't to be doable as like a tabling thing i did it for 10 years but then it just like get got so expensive to have a table there that I gave up, and, and then it became like a, just a fun networking kind of like let's go. Yeah, it's fun to be there and then there. leave before it gets crazy. On it like sounds Saturday. like South by Southwest. It's yeah. like you, yeah. you, you want to go in and play like one or two shows and then get the fuck out of there yeah. as yeah. soon as possible. Yeah, like last year we went in for like two days, did a signing or two at Image, and then went to a couple, went parties, to couple parties at night and, then got and then, out of there. Yeah, and it was fun. We left on Saturday before when it gets like so Whereas, disgusting, where it smells like crotch. Like and five farts years ago, everywhere. I'd be there for six days behind a table as my mind yeah. just slowly turns into oatmeal that shit will kill you you know all day it drives you nuts it's insane it's one of the most psychedelic experiences you can have and it's standing behind a table for six days at that thing it's one of the best things we (laughs) could have learned by doing self-publishing too is like now we know like some of these events it's just good to get there and do like a couple things and get out and other ones we should table you know like we're doing one in uh, north carolina next month called heroes con so that should be interesting it's our first time to go there but it's more of a smaller like we'll be at a table selling stuff and yeah, are there ones that are cool that you really like and like? Oh yeah, yeah. There's some that are just a blast. Yeah, yeah. it's there's like a you know cartoonist camp. You know, everybody yeah, stays in the same the hotel. Place. Everybody just gets hammered and hangs out all night, and then wakes up really early and goes to their table hungover. You know, and then you do it again. You know, that's great. Well, what what's what then? What's the next thing for? Is, is there going to be like a humans cartoon or is there? Is, are we'll we, see. I don't know. We'll see. We're just kind of concentrating just, on getting the comics. Done. We'd be open to that. We'll see what yeah. happens. It'd be I cool. mean, anything uh, that, but uh, that would be something that we would love to do. Yeah. But right, right now, Tom's so ass deep in drawing comics <laughs> that he's just got to look at one thing at a time. But well, we should be clear about that. So, Keenan, you 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 basically write the story. Yeah, I write a script and then he draws, and it. then he draws it, and then, and then Christina Cayantes colors, colors it. it. So you have a really easy. Yeah, basically compared to Tom. Compared well, to he's Tom, done yeah. for the most part because you just watched. Planet of the Apes and a bunch of biker movies, and then just, and I just take write some stuff shit. out. Yeah. You yeah. steal everything from that, and then Tom has long, to actually. But yeah, then Tom's got to draw it, and he's <laughs> got to draw it all. He's got to decipher my dyslexic scripts too. You yeah, know, there's and a like, lot of editing involved. Yeah, there's there's editing. So, uh, yeah, we're. I mean, we're, uh, but because we're figuring it out as we go, this is the first time we've done like a monthly series. So, like, yeah. You know, we're not really... And or it's the and first time kind of like I've ever own. written for somebody and he's ever drawn. Yeah, so else we're has figuring written, out so. our rhythm. But it's been funny because, like, when we got to issue four and he got me the script, I was like... Yeah, it was huge. It was way too big. Holy shit, this is, like, three issues worth of script. Like, <laughs> so I had to, like, squat. And we didn't yeah. have time to, like change that so i had to squash it down and edit it down to like i think it works yeah, fine but, we talked we just talked but, uh, about like okay let's cut so this and let's truncate this and then boom i'm like got it i'm in not there. just the penciling anchor i'm also like the director and the editor and the everything else <laughs> except christina's coloring it and she does the 
final art that makes it really great. But um, well, I think it's awesome, and I think like if you're into like you know biker movies or exploitation or music or film or art or anything like that, then you're probably gonna totally dig this fucking comic book. Yeah, because it's it's pretty raw stuff, which is what's awesome about it. Because there's not a lot of that kind of shit out there right no, now. No, like, I mean we're we, trying to make it as raw and fun as possible. We want to make like as close to something that could be an underground comic today, but have it be put out through like a large chain of distribution. You know? Sure, image like is we're allowing even, us. To we're not even really trying to do that. That's no, just, it's just what it is. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know how to do like a polished, like fancy modern comic. Like this is this is like what we do. Yeah, and <laughs> so. image. You know, the best thing about them is that they've had no say in the content of yeah. the book. They have not no one, not one note, not anything. They're not like, can you dial back the a penis or anything? None of that. So <laughs> right. We get to do what we want to do. And where and where can where can people find it then? Like it should be in comic shops and bookstores everywhere. Now it's also on Amazon. Like the the first volume collection is only ten bucks. It might be even cheaper on Amazon right now. Yeah, I think it's like nine um, thirty. And then it, each issue, uh, starting with five, starts coming out monthly in June. Those will be in comic shops first Wednesday of every month. Um, yeah, so for the if rest you of the year. want it, just go ask your comic book shop dude, or yeah. look it up online. It's yeah. on Amazon. Well, I think it's great what you guys are doing, and, I, and I'm super stoked for you guys. And, and I think when I first heard about it, I thought, like, oh, that, that sounds pretty cool. And then to see, like, how many people are actually we should, super stoked on it. should mention the soundtrack has continued, too, beyond the initial 7-inch. Who do we have bands, coming up on it? We've had So far, we've had uh, eight songs released, including uh, Coliseum, songs by Coliseum and Wizard Rifle and... Uh, Goblin Cock, gob- <laughs> Goblin Cock, Fairlight Empress, um, Smelly Tongues, Boss Kong, and Smelly Tongues. And then the next issue with issue five, we have Gary Wrong Group, oh, um, awesome. uh, Speed Buggy, Speed Buggy, and, and Degreaser. Yep. And then upcoming, we have stuff from uh, other bands like Saviors, uh, Witches of God, and um, who are some of the other? You had some. Uh, well, uh, the we, funny thing is, is, we both have like our own set of bands that we've been talking to. <laughs> And like mine are all metal bands. His we will be having bands. another <laughs> seven inch put out that won't be collected any other time. Oh, It'll yeah. be a one off that's going to be the cunts and bits of shit on In the Red. Oh, cool. So that should be coming out. That should be that's in those two songs. different bands cunts and bits of shit. Not cunts <laughs> and the bits of shit. <laughs> no, no, that's two bands. Because sometimes we no, play we on this show like this like game where I give you a band name and you have to tell me whether it's real or not. <laughs> and cunts and the bits of shit when could have been on there. When we tell people about our soundtrack, bits everybody's like, are these really real band name. names? Every time we're like, are these real band <laughs> names? Yeah, all the cartoons, yes. like the comic cock. book reviewers. Yeah. yeah, cunts, yeah. If you don't know the stuff, it, yeah, it does sound <laughs> it like you're just absurd. making it up. It sounds absurd, but it's a really, it's exciting I'm excited because yeah. I love the cunts and bits of shit. Kind of like got back together to record a song for it. So, yeah, it's like awesome our exploitation seven inch coming out like at the end of the year. That's so. killer. That's great. Well, fuck. Well, I'll look for it then. Yeah, well, the <laughs> LP will be out by the end of the year from Magic Bullet Records too. Yeah. So. Is there anything you guys want to keep promoting shit. it? Or do, yeah, we got a lot of stuff. Can we end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much for coming in. It's great, and I love the fucking book, and I love what you guys are doing, and, and appreciate yeah, you guys being on the show. Thanks, Chad. <laughs> All right, thanks. <laughs> All right, man. All right, what you're hearing right now is the Humans March Let's Die Zigzags track that came with the first issue of the Humans comic book. 
you want to learn more about humans, go to their website, humansforlife.com. If you want to hear more Zigzags music, go to zigzags.bandcamp.com. This song and others are up there. You can listen to them for free. You can download them. You can do whatever you want with them. Check it out. I'll see you next time. Jed Mayhew, Jed Bangers Ball. As always, we're here at the Green Street Studios, sponsored by This Is Not a Pipe in beautiful Los Angeles, California. <laughs> <laughs>